0: By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at Moody's dot com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Emerging Markets Decoded, the podcast series that brings you the latest trends shaping the world of emerging markets. I'm your host for today, Ariane ortiz Bolin of the Global Emerging Markets Team, coming to you from New York. In today's episode, we'll focus on Mexico and Pemex, the government-owned oil company, both of which we recently downgraded. We'll explore what drove these rating downgrades, what's behind Mexico's weak growth prospects, and why we believe Mexico's government finances have deteriorated, even when government debt to GDP ratios have not increased that much. Global macro credit conditions have turned more negative in recent months, with stubbornly high inflation, rising borrowing costs, and slower growth prospects. We'll discuss how this will impact Mexico. And last but not least, we'll address the interlinkages between Mexico and Pemex, how much we expect the government to continue to support the company, and what may lie ahead beyond the current President López Obrador administration. For this, I'm joined by my colleagues Renzo Merino from our Sovereign Team in New York and Nimia Almeida from our Corporate Team in Mexico City. Renzo, Nimia, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Ariane. Very happy to be here.
0: Thank you very much for having us.
1: Thank you both. So now, Renzo, let's start with you. We recently downgraded the Mexican sovereign trading by one notch to BAA2 from BAA1 and we stabilized the outlook. The rating is now in the middle of the BAA category, two notches above non-investment grade. Can you explain what drove the decision to downgrade?
0: The downgrade was driven by negative economic and fiscal trends that we expect to continue to gradually but persistently undermine Mexico's overall sovereign credit profile. On the economic front, we expect that weak Investment dynamics will constrain medium-term growth at around 2%. Additionally, Mexico's post-pandemic recovery has lacked our expectations from a year ago and also the recovery of its peers. In 2021, we thought that the economy would expand 6%, but it ended up growing less than 5%. And for 2022, we expected growth to be over 3%, but have now lowered our forecast to less than 2%. These elements weigh on Mexico's economic strength relative to rating peers. In terms of its fiscal strength, Mexico has a comparatively lower debt burden, with a debt to gdp ratio of about 40%. But if we added the debt of its state-owned enterprises considering the strong support provided by the government, then at closer to 50% of GDP, this would be in line with the BAA median. Also, Mexico's interest burden is higher than most BAA-rated peers at 11% of revenue, compared to a BAA median of 7.5%. Additionally, increased expenditure rigidity and lower financial buffers will restrict the authorities' ability to maintain the stable debt metrics and also to manage shocks in the coming years.
1: Okay. And, and why the stable outlook?
0: So the stable outlook reflects our expectation that in the absence of unanticipated shocks and already assuming rising economic and fiscal pressures, Mexico's credit profile will remain aligned with bwe 2 rated sovereigns through the end of the current administration. We're also assuming policy continuity as the authorities remain committed to macroeconomic stability during the rest of their term.
1: Now, we also downgraded Pemex, the state-owned oil company, by one notch to B1 from BA3. So Pemex is now in the B category. Nimia, was that related to the sovereign downgrade?
2: Yes, yes, Ariane. We downgraded Pemex rating to B1 from BA3 as a consequence of the sovereign downgrade. As you know, Pemex has high liquidity risk and depends on the Mexican government support, and a lower government rating means that the source of Pemex support is weaker. Pemex has high debt maturities in 2022 to 2024, and we expect it to continue to post negative pre-cash flow, given persistent losses at the company's refining business. This means that it requires large sums of external support from the Mexican federal government. Our rating action also considered Pemex long-standing structural problems. Um, the company needs to maintain CAPEX at least at current levels to sustain stable production in reserves. Its is, That is very high, which results in, in high interest expenses. Also, Pemex has limited access to the capital markets given its high intrinsic credit risk. And because of that and its structural operational problems, the company is unable to invest larger sums of capital in exploration and production. Elevated oil prices in 2022 and 2023 will support higher cash generation at Pemex exploration and production business, but it will also increase royalties and operating costs at the refining business
1: Okay, so to summarize, the Pemex downgrade was related to the government's downgrade, but also due to the fact that Pemex' longstanding structural problems remain unaddressed. Now, turning to growth, Renzo, why is Mexico not bouncing back after the pandemic? If you look at other emerging markets, they have already recovered lost output from the pandemic, but Mexico is lagging. Why is that?
0: Let's remember that Mexico has never been a high growth country. Mexico's historical growth rate between 2010 and 2019, averaged only 2.7%. But we now forecast the real growth will average only 2% in 2022 through 2024. We also don't expect real GDP to exceed its pre-pandemic level until 2023 at the earliest, making Mexico a laggard when compared to both Latin American and global peers. Mexico faces many long-standing structural issues, but weak investment dynamics is one of the main barriers.
1: And why exactly has investment been so low?
0: In the last few years, investment prospects in the country have been affected by negative confidence shocks and a deteriorating business environment, somewhat associated to economic policy decisions made by the government. By now, you all have heard about the cancellation of the New Mexico City Airport back in 2018. But since then, there have been several other decisions that have increased regulatory and policy uncertainty, including the pursuit of energy reforms that sought to limit private participation in the sector. Those reform proposals, even if they were not approved in Congress, have created significant uncertainty that has limited investment in that and other sectors, and will likely continue to do so through 2024. In addition, the government has not tackled the big structural issues that weigh on Mexico's potential growth. Weak productivity growth, high informality, low female participation in the labor force, for example, remain unaddressed. By limiting private investment in the energy sector, there is a risk that supply of energy will be sufficient to meet the country's demands in the coming years.
1: Renzo, all those issues that you've mentioned are domestic, but what about external factors? Has Russia's invasion of Ukraine impacted Mexico? And can we expect social and political unrest as a result of high inflation, like we've seen in other emerging market countries, materialize in Mexico?
0: So your first question, yes. The Russian military conflict with Ukraine has impacted Mexico primarily through higher commodity prices, which contributes to high domestic food inflation in particular. Inflation is at a 21-year high as the conflict has exerted our pressure on food and transportation costs. Domestic and global monetary tightening in response to surging inflation is driving a higher interest rate environment that will worsen debt affordability, narrowing the fiscal space for the government. And to the second part of your question, no, we don't expect social unrest or political instability. The government has subsidized oil and gas prices, which has softened the blow. But this also means that Mexico's government and Pemex finances will not benefit as much from higher oil prices.
1: Renzo, this administration has been characterized by a very austere fiscal stance that has limited debt growth. Why didn't this help prevent the rating downgrade?
0: The so-called austere approach to public finances that has characterized the current administration since taking office in 2018 has proven to be a double-edged sword. On the one hand, the approach has provided credit value by limiting the increase in government spending and, and debt. In fact, the government's fiscal policy response to the pandemic in 2020 and 2021 was one of the least aggressive in the world and prevented a significant rise in the debt to gdp ratio compared to other sovereigns. On the other hand, this austere approach means that the government has already limited some spending, such as wages and other operating expenses, to compensate for the rise in rigid expenditures. This loss in flexibility will make it more difficult for the authorities to continue to post favorable debt metrics over the medium term as the spending structure has become more rigid and financial
1: buffers are depleted. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that the austere fiscal stance has masked underlying fiscal dynamics that have made uh, government finances more rigid. Are those fiscal rigidities new, Renzo?
0: No, these are not new but they have been rising faster than before. Throughout the current administration's term, the government has incurred in certain policy commitments that we consider add on to the rigidity of spending. These relate to the explicit support the government is providing to state-owned enterprises and in particular Pemex, also to rising pension payments, a higher interest burden going forward as interest rates rise, and earmarked capital expenditures for flagship projects, such as the new Mexico City airport, the Dos Bocas Refinery, and the Mayan train. At the same time, to compensate for these dynamics, the government has also reduced some discretionary spending, such as wages and expenditures on goods and services. But going forward, we expect this option won't be as readily available to compensate for further spending pressure.
1: And NIMIA on Pemex, since 2016, and most importantly, between 2019 and 2021, the government has supported Pemex in various ways, including capital injections, tax reductions, and early redemption of notes receivable from the government. So roughly speaking, annual support from the government to Pemex has been equivalent to around 1% of GDP in the last four years. Looking ahead, do we expect higher government transfers to Pemex, and do we think that this will help the outlook of the company?
2: Yes, Ariane, we do expect government transfers to continue to be around 1% of GDP, like in the past, although high oil prices should help reduce Pemex external cash needs in 2022 and 2023 somewhat. But the outlook will remain bleak because the government transfers are just enough to meet Pemex debt maturity obligations, but not fix its its, uh, structural problems. Uh, we assume that the government will continue to fund Pemex cash needs and help the company to comply with its debt amortization obligations of five, one, $5.1 billion in 2022, $7.5 billion in 2023, and $8.9 billion in 2024. The government will have to support the company to meet it, these obligations because in the next uh, 18 months, Uh, Pemex will have substantial negative free cash flow, driven by insufficient operating cash generation to pay interest expenses, taxes, and capital spending, and because as of March uh, 31st, the company only had $2.4 billion in cash and no availability under its committed revolving credit facilities to address debt
1: maturities. We've always considered Mexico's overall institutions to be relatively weak compared to BAA peers, in particular when it comes to rule of law, strength of judicial system, and control of corruption. On the other hand, we've considered Mexico's fiscal and monetary institutions to be strong and in line with those of the BAA category. But since late 2018, there have been two new developments, One is the economic policy decisions that have hurt business sentiment and investment. And the other is missed opportunities. Renzo, what do we mean by missed opportunities?
0: Some of these potential missed opportunities are related to not addressing some long-standing structural issues that affect Mexico. Despite having ample political capital, the government did not embark in a fiscal reform to raise permanent revenue and increase its fiscal space nor did it address some economic issues that affect the economy's productivity or labor market. Additionally, while we consider that Mexico could stand to benefit from the process of nearshoring, given its trade ties with the U.S. and geographical proximity, there are some elements that may limit the upside, at least in the short term. Interest in Mexico relative to some of its comparable peers in Asia will be more muted owing to lingering regulatory uncertainty real estate constraints in the northern regions of Mexico to set up new manufacturing operations, and the lack of investment in renewable energy as more companies focus on attaining environmental goals.
1: Thank you, Renzo. Thank you, Nimia, for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And with that, we'll wrap things up for today. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. And until next time, stay safe.
0: Thanks for listening to this Moody's Talks podcast. To find out more about the topics discussed, please follow the links in the show notes. You can check out other Moody's Talks podcasts by visiting moody's.com
2: slash podcasts.